Welcome to ComTrack, where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. I'm your host, Tim Leifide, and we're back with another Marvel Movie of the Month with Mark. But this time, we're joined by our regular, Sean Wheeler. Hi, Sean. It's great to see you again, as always. Yeah, happy to join for once. Yeah, and hi, Mark. How you been, man? Like, you've been... Well, I, we just actually saw you recently in the uh, 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 your Pepsi commercial, which was kind of a cool deal. Yeah, um, probably right around now it should be running. Uh, if you're in the Kentucky, uh, well, it's like Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, whatever that tri-state ends up being, um, you should be able to catch me in a Kentucky lottery ad that's doing a good run. It should be running, I would assume, through, if you're not paying for ad-free Hulu, uh, shit. Uh, <laughs> what's the other one? Uh, YouTube, that's the popular site. Um, but nice. that was a lot of fun because I got to work with the cheetah, so that was sweet. That that is fucking sweet. And you know, while we're here, why don't you do a qu- quick little self promo? Sure. <laughs> I'm a filmmaker and actor. Uh, hire me for your stuff. Uh, podcast creator, <laughs> uh, entrepreneur, business starter, self starter, psychonaut. You name it. Go to the Mark Inning. Like darkening, but with an M, themarketing.com. That'll let you follow my fun social media activities. And if you guys want to check him more out, Mark out, he, as always, in any episode of Marvel Movie of the Month with Mark, there are links in the description below. I love links, uh, And Tim. Sean, oh, dude, totally. And Sean, I know you, you uh, well, I think you used to uh, write a blog. Is that correct? Uh, I wrote for uh, neveredingradicaldude.com. Oh, hell yeah. uh, which is on a hiatus right now. Not sure if we're coming back, uh, but I can say now officially I am just starting up uh, writing for the horror website Cryptease. Congratulations. Dope. Dope. That's awesome, man. I love it. We're recording right now in uh, early October, but this is going to be out by the time you cats are listening in uh, November. And, and for you cats listening, if you are just tired of – you know, just hearing us, you know, jerking our promos around. Uh, if you want to get right to the movie, as always, there is a uh, sync button in, in the description below that'll just tell you where the timestamp is to start the movie. So you can wash all of your dishes. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, I think we should actually talk about the movie. We're here. Uh, kind of the, the big starter, although that was kind of questionable uh after our last marvel movie that we did mark uh but we're here to talk about blade is the he's the appetizer appetizer you know what i mean yeah blade was like the appetizer but this movie was like the movie that really kicked off like the superhero genre as we know it today you know um and uh and as because i know you two are both of you because this is the whole reason why you wanted in on this episode sean is because you are a huge x-men fan and you're like oh you're doing x-men i want in on this (laughs) so i want to hear you guys so i'm not i'm not i I didn't grow up as much of the x-men as i i probably should have i did watch the animated tv show but i want to hear about your guys's uh uh fan experience if you will Sean, you want to go first? So I started, yeah, I'll, I'll jump right in. I started collecting comics uh, when I was eight years old. Uh, my, uh, I found a Punisher comic at a grocery store and loved it. And then I got a subscription to Spider-Man. Uh, and shortly thereafter, um, so I mean, this was about 1990. Uh, shortly thereafter, the uh, Chris Claremont, Jim Lee uh, X-Men launched. 
and that kind of became my heyday. Nice. Um, loved those books. Uh, loved everything that was going on with them. I mean, X-Men, X-Force, Uncanny X-Men, all, all that that was running at that time, I was just steeped in it. Um, like everyone else at the time, obviously, you know, we all had the DC dabble because Batman's back got broken and Superman yep. got killed. Yep. But, you know, literally, once those ended my comic obsession for arguably i'd say about the next five to six years i was pretty much all x-men all the time and only dabbled in other stuff oh, i mean dude. I, I, da I, I guess i should say i did dabble a lot in independence uh starting at about 13 but when it comes to mainstream books it's like x-men were my bread and butter and i didn't really start uh branching out more until uh, you know, my later teens. So Dudes. for a very long time, I was just like the X-Men fanboy, like saving <laughs> up my allowance and chore money to go buy classic issues from the 1970s. It's like, that was my jam. Fuck yeah, dude. I bet you were watching the uh, the animated series like nonstop. Oh yeah, all the time. Like that, that was my go-to. And I mean, for me uh, at that time, you know, I, I was in school and stuff. At an age before being a nerd was cool, before geek culture like took off and was a thing that was appreciated. When it was still kind so of cool like, and underground. No, no, it wasn't cool and underground. You were ostracized and made fun of for it. So it's like, <laughs> I had to take my licks. And so finally getting to see my stuff on the big screen was like, yes! Oh, dude. I this, finally get something! This shit must have... You must have been at the perfect level of hype zone when this came out, I bet. Oh, yeah, I was 17 years old, like, uh. had not stopped being into comics. I mean, I was a hard issue collector for 20 years before I finally pulled back a bit and went mainly to trade. So that, it's like, man. I was the hunter collector, like, out of my mind. You were so, the fucking I mean, for me, perfect age. The perfect age for that kind of shit, dude. Yep. That's awesome. And Mark, yeah, I mean, you you got a lot more years on your uh, your comics and your experience. So I actually share with us about it's that. really funny. I think Sean and I might be the same age, judging from how old he was when uh, X Men the movie came out. So oh, really, I, right? I on. feel like we both had that same like mind blowing experience, dude. And uh, so I was the same way. For me, I didn't have any gateway things because my parents weren't really into like nerdy shit at all. So you know, my dad mm -hmm. was like a big baseball guy. Uh, and just sort of sports in general. But I uh, I got into comics. I actually got into the X-Men because I accidentally found the animated series. Right on. And I, uh, I fell in love with it pretty immediately. I, too, can back up the claims of the uh, being ostracized at school and made fun of. I remember in particular, I was like, this I loved. In the, and before I found X-Men, I was super into Star Wars. And I just remember it was yeah. like two years of relentless torment from someone who later became a friend. But as a kid was like, he was really into World War II stuff. It was just like, nothing you like is real. Why don't you like this? It was very odd. But uh, <laughs> Because it's based on real shit. Well, it's got that level of groundedness. Sure. Well, it, so for me, it was like once I got into the cartoon show, that was like, oh, there's books about this? Because I was always a big <laughs> book kid. And then I was like, comic books? And I don't know. I was like a fifth grader who was like kind of a snob about comic books. Like, uh, that's like <laughs> kids stuff. And then I read it and I was like, well, you know, I love the X-Men. What, who's the asshole. So I got super <laughs> into it. And so I can kind of echo this a very similar story that the Jim Lee Claremont combo X-Men came out or I think it already been out by the time I found out about it. 
But I went through that series and then jumped into Uncanny X-Men, a uh, little X-Force, X-Factor. And then I dove into kind of like the big classic eras because I, I had a, my fifth grade teacher was super into comics. And uh, he, he uh, I remember just dragging me out to my first con when I was in like seventh or eighth grade. But he gave me a bunch of the old Claremont era X-Men books. And yeah. I feel like that's where I learned to write. Do you still have those comics? I'm curious. I don't think so. I should look. I mean, I have uh, some stuff at my mom's, but I doubt I doubt most of it because I think I gave most of them, if not all, back to him. Uh, I was a good I boy. I have a problematic amount of long boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I literally have a cube stacked up in a corner of a spare room <laughs> as well as like an entire like bottom floor of a carpet just covered in them and i'm still sitting here like i don't i don't know what i can do for space i know <laughs> right like that's like every comic book collector's you know greatest issue when they have their small dens or their apartments or their you know like small middle middle class lower class house they're like where the hell am I going to put all this shit? <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. It also, you know, you mentioned that uh, your teacher was the one who got you into comics. Yeah. That was kind of the same deal with me. And he's sort of where I really started to take off with the X-Men in particular was with my art teacher in high school. It was the second year of high school uh, where the, uh, the administration just got a new teacher and we were his first batch. Uh, and he was way into comics, and eventually uh, he actually had this massive, massive collection of uh, 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 centerfold, you know, spreadsheets that you would get in the middle of the, your your comic book issues and whatnot. You'd like fold them out, and they become posters. Yeah, he had hundreds of those things. Most of them were the X Men, and he wound up like giving away a shitload. And I That's actually awesome. had hmm. for the longest time uh, a bunch of really cool. Uh, x-men uh posters in my dorm and uh while i was in college and i even found uh a couple of x-men posters that uh that still hang in there like even for like the first uh year that we had that we spent in our apartment my fiance and i were like what are we gonna put in the kitchen i'm like you pick and she went with like a a really kick-ass uh x-men cover post i forget which one it is i think it's one of uh wolverine fighting magneto oh nice but uh yeah dude yeah so it's been 25 it it's <laughs> interesting that you both uh <laughs> mention teachers because uh i also had a teacher who didn't i was already into comics by this point but he was beloved by me because he was the only teacher who had comic posters up around the room fuck yeah sign this of a great teacher. sixth grade yeah this was in sixth grade he was uh our science teacher but come to find out, uh, his brother actually ended up being my senior year physics teacher. That's funny. Huh. And they had collected comics as kids. He had ta he took over the collection and kept doing it by himself. And apparently, uh, from talking with him and from what I know from uh, my local store where he would also frequent, he has like full runs of like all the Marvel books. <sighs> Man, I and I'm just like, awesome. wow, that's that's amazing. I really hope he's got like the big issues saved in like, you know, like like in a suitcase with the with a lock and code and shit like that. Right. 
Cause, well, uh, I mean, man, I've got to tell you, I, I'm happy I spent the time I did uh, when I was younger tracking down classic issues and tracking down first appearances and stuff like that because, man, never thought books that I paid like 15 bucks for would be worth like, you know, over a grand, but a couple of them are. So that's, yep, uh, yep, that's, that's not a bad investment to have made. It is fucking cool. So I take it you know, like for this movie in particular, when it came out, when it did, it was like, seriously perfect timing and i want to because this was a little bit late for me i i I, like i uh i didn't really get into the x-men until about roughly about 2004 5 6 ish it was definitely before x-men 3 um because i was already into the first two films and then i started watching the animated series well i watched a little bit as a kid not as much i was too busy watching batman the animated series but can you blame me? <laughs> well, you can love both. It's oh, yeah, okay. totally. It's okay. uh, although I did watch the entire run of uh, X-Men Evolution because that was a little closer to my time, um, which I yeah, still love. OK, um, <laughs> like, is that is that like sarcasm? No, no, it's just like it makes sense. Oh, okay. Okay. Like why you would watch it? Because I know uh, there's some I, fans I have... out there who are like, ah, "Evolution, the original is way better." No, 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 no. I, I don't, I don't think it's so much that. It's, it's. I just think a lot of us who grew up on the original just didn't really watch much of Evolution and don't have an attachment to it. Yeah. And we also had. You know, for that first animated series, the art style so well matched up with what was going on in the books at the time. Yes. yes. That that shift for evolution was a little bit like, what are you doing? Yeah, there were well, a lot also, of... Wa- I tried to give it a shot, too. I just remember not liking it. It felt like it was skewing younger, where I felt like the other show tried to have a bit more of a broad appeal. Did you guys ever watch Wolverine and the X-Men from Nickelodeon? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, guys, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's legitimately awesome it's oh, cool. uh, one of my i'm so sad about it because it got canceled after the first season but the second Lame. season they were mid-production on and they they produced something like half the season and then it got the plug got pulled and they were doing an age of apocalypse storyline but they oh, did man. they did a cool oh, wow. thing in my opinion where they like kind of took some established you know lore and stuff but f- flipped a few things on their head while still kind of keeping that broad overall approach. I thought it was a cool little thing. Age of Apocalypse may have actually been, like, my peak time for being in, into X-Men. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I made a hard point to track down every one of those issues. And it's like, so many came out so fast. That's like, I'm doing so much extra work around the house trying to make <laughs> money to afford them. It was brutal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mowing all the extra lawns so funny. <laughs> remember doing that as kids boy I'm... yeah <laughs> yeah while while and i did it while allergic to grass so it was just oh nightmare fuel for now me that's <laughs> that's dedication holy shit the future so, the future um, in a world where there are no more snow days boy that sucks <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I, uh, so what was your like first major because i want to hear about your first experience with the movie as well before we get started because i know you two have a story i know i got a good one i saw it twice opening day i definitely had like happy tears a few times during the first screening because i was just like so you know something that if you were on the internet back then 
you know, I remember reading on these sites for the years leading up to it where it was like, we'll never get a live action X-Men movie. It's too big budget. It's too this. It'll never sell to broad audiences. And so, like, I remember not being super excited with the visuals of the movie. Like, in mostly in regards to, like, kind of set design suits where it was like, they yeah. went a little too matrixy for me in a lot of regards. And I think it gets rectified fairly well in X2. But uh, I was so jazzed that when I went back for the second one, I literally spent the entire time between my first screening of the second one figuring out how I could smuggle my video camera into the theater effectively because I had like an old <laughs> Sony Handycam and I was going to tape that shit. And I was like, oh, my God, it was so incredible. I spent all afternoon. I couldn't figure out how I was going to do it without getting kicked out of the theater I always went to. <laughs> You know, and I was like, I think that might be a bigger crime than just that. But, you know, I was like, you know, 17. that's, that's got to be a real testament to one's fandom. It's the it's a movie that you're like, you're actually actively thinking to yourself, how do I sneak in a camcorder to record the entire movie without being seen? Well, dude, of course, you know, nowadays, it's a lot easier. Well, no, you know, another big thing, too, is that we didn't know it was going to be successful. Like, there was no indicator that this was going to work out at all. So to me, I remember thinking, I'm like, oh, thank God there's people at the theater. And after that was sort of like, well, just in case this doesn't do well. You know, again, you have to think in 2000, home video was not the way home video is now, where literally yeah. everything of all time is available. Some shit didn't remember come VHS back out of kids. Well, but like some shit wouldn't come out if it wasn't big enough. Right. And, I, you know, I'm definitely it was probably exaggerating a little bit at that point. But I just remember really thinking like. I want to watch this a million times, and I don't want to wait. And then I remember the other feature I remember is that when the DVD finally came out, it was mm -hmm. right at a time where people were first starting to do, like, special editions and just treat the DVDs a yeah. little bit better. So that one yeah. didn't get a huge special edition, but it was, like, packaged cool and all this stuff. And I remember it arrived or it came out or whatever the night I returned or like a day or so before I returned from my senior trip in high school. Awesome. Yes, I went home and watched the hell out of it. It was so exciting. You know, I remember getting the DVD, I think for Christmas or one year, uh, and I opened up. The, the coolest thing was opening the uh, the box up and seeing the the X on the disc. Uh -huh. Like, that was like, just to see that, like, holy shit! Yeah. <laughs> like, so oh, cool. fuck yeah! <laughs> so, and what about you, Sean? Because, like you, you, like you said, you were uh, around the same age, so I must must imagine you were in ecstasy when this shit came out. Because remember, yeah. remember, kids, like, back in the 90s, we were starving for this shit. Like, we remember, we were talking about Blade last time. It was the appetizer, and we had to wait a two whole more years for this shit so yeah go ahead sean so you know i don't have anything quite amazing i mean obviously i saw it opening night super mm -hmm. thrilled about it uh i do remember i saw it i want to say four times in theaters before it left here right on um but one of the big things for me was so i got a job right a, a new job uh right about the same time when the movie came out uh because i'd quit my last job they wouldn't have they wouldn't give me time off for like senior prom and i'm like screw you like i'm not going to my senior prom like yeah. the hell fuck prom um, i'm going to see x-men right well so what was cool is i had a classmate who worked at the store i got hired in and i didn't realize because i put him down as a reference they had a bonus for both of us if i got hired 
So I ended up with like a $50 gift card. So I turned around. I bought X-Men and Gladiator with it. And I was happy as hell. Oh, I just thrilled. Yeah. And I mean, I will always remember, you know, as he said, you know, they had that higher edge packaging. It's like one of the first DVDs yeah. to really do that cool, more unique packaging at the time. Along with the second like, DVD, you know, the second bonus disc with all the special features. But it, it was like. Uh, the the first two I really clearly remember having special packaging was like X Men and Fight Club. Yeah, and yeah. my gosh, like opening X Men for the first time and and just the it was so cool. I mean, I I loved it. It was that, and for me, uh, X Men and uh, the first Sam Raimi Spider Man movie. Uh, it's also the origin of my obsession with uh, widescreen, its history, its use, and its math. Because that was the first time I saw Spider-Man widescreen edition. I'm like, wait, what? That's that's a thing? There's a full screen? I actually had to like look it up online and figure out what the hell it was. And that led into a, a very a, a rabbit hole that I'm still going down today. <laughs> we'll have to talk about Back to the Future sometime. Totes. Totes. But anyway, I think uh, we're about ready. We should get started on the movie, though. I think because... This is gonna. This is a fun one, for sure, you guys. Okay, so for those of you listening back home, you know the drill. If you've got it on Blu-ray, you've got it on streaming, you've got your own digital copy. If you got it on VHS, uh, I don't know if it got came out on VHS. It it was, it was on VHS. Right. Oh shit! So yeah, if you if you hardcore fans from back in the day still have one, use it. Why not? Because we're gonna get this bad boy started in three, two, one. Schnick, little Wolverine reference. I actually do have my Wolverine claws. That's awesome. <laughs> you guys, you guys can't, uh, you guys listening can't see them, but I assure you, they're here. Well, things they can see is watch for the X to be the last letter to fade out here. Oh yeah, dude! When they did this on 20th Century Fox and the X, <laughs> right here. Whoop! Just a <laughs> like, few frames. Oh. And already you were in ecstasy. And then right away we get the narration, the open, yeah. the famous opening narration for Patrick Stewart. And Patrick Stewart's okay, voice so tickling know, my how, sweet butthole. Uh, he, like, this is ear porn for all us nerds. But, like, well, and I mean, he was the dream casting forever for this role. So oh, we yeah. were all so happy when it happened. Oh, oh yeah, totally. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, like, he said it was, like, the most fun research that he had because he had no idea who the X-Men were. He thought it was actually an X-Files movie. And they gave him essentially a giant crate of comics for research. And he's like, this is amazing. <laughs> so... I love the I love the design of the door, and I think this opening is so strong. I think this opening yeah. like, sold oh, this yeah. for so many people. Yeah, because I think it was, you know, like, we were still trying to... Well, I mean, you have to... to, You have to establish the history of Magneto to understand where he's coming from. Yeah. And I also, like, 90% sure, like, this scene alone is what got Ian McKellen in on this. Uh, Because I know he was really unsure of it, but as soon as he saw the, the, uh, uh, the social parallels between uh, mutants and you know, other re- very real-world minorities. Uh, he was like, oh, as like a longtime activist, he's like, oh, sign me up, like, immediately. 
do you know that they did some finagling for him so he could still do Lord of the Rings? That's yes. awesome. Yes, because uh, he did, because, ju- I mean, they started shooting in, like, 98, uh, and they finished this one around, like, 99, and they... This- yeah, there, there was a conflict, and they started filming, like, two months before this wrapped, and so they, you know, and Ian really wanted to do it, so they worked to help him wrap up his parts here a bit quicker so that he was only like a month and a half or like two months late to New Zealand and they were still willing to take him for that movie. Yep, yep. Because he really wanted to be Gandalf. Oh, of course. Speaking of which, uh, like, you remember uh, Christopher Lee lobbied really hard for the role of uh, Gandalf because he's like the bit was like the biggest Tolkien fan on the planet at the time. Uh, only guy he, in the movie, only actor in the movie who had actually met Tolkien. That's yeah, funny. Uh, but uh, apparently he uh, lobbied. Uh, apparently he was considered for to to play Magneto. Hmm, that would have been kind of good. Been an in- yeah, that would have been interesting because I mean, it's honestly, it's all in the voice. Yeah, that sultry British menacing voice. He's very fancy. I was I always loved when he showed up in Star Wars because I felt like he was so perfect, solely cast for the voice almost. Oh, I know. I right? wish he'd been like an Imperial guy I, instead of a Jedi, but I'm sorry. I really <laughs> love cool. the uh, the color palette they use here for this scene. Yeah, it's like it it, it is co- there is color to it, but it's almost black and white. It's like, like blue, it's so it, yeah, saturated exactly. So, because and it so suits the obvious goings on here, right? You know, and it's got that nice yep, blue absolutely. tone, so you can tell it's like, yeah. Ugh. It's like, I always feel like this is one of those scenes you can kind of feel the mud and the rain. Yes, yes. Like, uh, this is, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, the, the, the cinematographer was very much, you know, uh, looking into Private Ryan, which came out just like a couple of years before this, and looking at, and you know, like, oh, those desaturated colors and the extreme textures like i'm 90 percent sure that was the inspiration of sure. it because that was such a huge movie at the time um and not i love this not in the too distant future <laughs> even though this movie is clearly set in 2000 and for the record like i think we should just like agree like the as far as the timelines for all these movies and when exactly what year they take place none of it fucking matters <laughs> yeah, right. like the time the timeline's so fucked up the, now but um i'm sure back at the in those days they had no idea just what a huge explosion of superhero movies we'd get <clears throat> and of course we I also mean, have our speaking uh, of explosions uh, yes i was about <laughs> to say like we've got uh our our second mutant introduction. Uh, so he's trying to with, touch uh, Marie. Yes. Um, kiss me, deadly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we got Rogan here, uh, which now because I, I know they. <laughs> I just had a fucked like, up thought. <laughs> what? what? Well, is it? I you know I feel like at some point like you know Rogue probably learning to control her powers a little bit. There'd be like some form of like her mutant power, but edging where they'd like try to just suck just enough, oh just oh enough no. life force out of you to like no. make it interesting. Because you know that would eventually your power would eventually in get become part of a kink at some point. 
Oh my I god! Mean, that is that has been covered. It's uh, it's not with Rogue specifically, yeah. but with certain mutants that has been covered in the comics. That's so. hilarious. I just I, they kept thinking when when like because they did the dual kiss. I was like, oh wait, it's like set the boundaries, and it's just like just take enough of your life force for this. You know what? Maybe you should pitch that to uh, uh, the guys that are doing the, the boys. boys right now. Yeah, but hit him up. Like I got like, a character idea. Hello, Eric <laughs> Kripke. <laughs> Look, I'll tell you the the absolute best idea they could do. Um, I mean, they'd have to introduce uh, psychic powers, which really they don't run with in the boys. That's a good point. But man, but man, when you found out the White Queen was like four hundred pounds and just always projected that she was hot into everyone's oh, mind, man. you're like, wait, what? <laughs> that would like, be awesome. That was a revelation. <laughs> good shit. Okay, so now we're in our Senate hearing with the our. <clears throat> McCarthy stand-in, if you will, uh, Senator Kelly, uh, <laughs> played by a wonderful, wonder. Actually, I really like how uh, Bruce Davidson plays him. I always like the weird yeah, gold thing going... behind uh, Famke Johnson here. In, in a weird yeah. way, it made me think of like odd. Look, it looks like a conspiracy theory picture. You know what I mean? It's like a, the picture of the Capitol. And there's like golden rays emanating from it. I'm like, what weird <laughs> secret ritual are they doing in the X universe in this building in Toronto? By the way, funny. Actually, you know. just mentioned the boys, Tim. The building that they yeah. shot these scenes in is used heavily in the boys. Uh, and they, no it's the vault building, and so the top of the vault building is all CG, but you'll notice ah. that they use this because it has these X bars in the windows. I forget what it is. It's like right downtown in Toronto. But uh, they, right yeah, super fun little bit there. I'll yell about it when the X's show up on screen. It should be like right after right away this. in this next scene. Yeah, the we but, are the future, uh, yeah. Charles. That scene. <laughs> and with a. A very mysterious figure in a hat yeah. walks menacingly out of the hearing. Yeah, this hearing. room. This is what you were talking so about. So they've been using yeah, this I, okay, as vault. I totally see it. Yeah. I totally see it now. Right on. That's awesome. And I think they only picked it because they were shooting mostly in Toronto. They're like, holy shit, there's a building where there's fucking X's everywhere. Yeah, of course we're using Hell that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I, <laughs> hi, I'm Brian Singer. I don't really understand these comics entirely. So uh, just put a bunch know, of X's right? in this. <laughs> I know. That is that is so... St you remember there was a time for even like, you know, all the way back to like 2005, 2006, there were times like uh, even all to that point where the writers and directors of your favorite comic book superhero movies never read comics like comics those are for kids right but i do love this here and, this yeah is... and it was before the age where they actually brought on notable creators to consult Boom. and help with yeah. the right. films you had avi so... arid doing it who was just like i like to make money make a movie that makes yeah. money <sighs> fucking weird but we got to acknowledge this scene because this is the first time Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart got to act together. And as a matter of fact, this is movie is how they met. They literally met in their trailer uh, on when they were shooting. They started with tea, and then, as Patrick Stewart put, a little bit stronger, something a little bit stronger in the evening. And they just started to bond at the fact that they had both been in the, uh, the Royal Shakespeare Company. And they just were like, oh, my God, did we just become best friends? We just became best friends. That's a, hey, quick one. And now they're Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, and now they're like, you know, the most adorable, not gay, but sort of gay couple in ever. That's awesome. <laughs> it's great, dude. I love it. 
I wanted to call out the truck driver there. That's a guy named oh, yeah, George yeah. Buza. He's the voice of Beast That's in right. the 90s animated series. That's totally right. Oh, There's nice. A, if you watch cool the scene back, you'll totally hear it because he totally just talks. Yep. He just has Beast voice. Yep, yep. And speaking of a beast, we've got a caged beast. The one, the only Hugh Jackman, the the longest running actor of playing a single superhero. And here he is, like, first starting out. But isn't it crazy, like, here, because, um, I, do you know how many people who are in the runnings to play Wolverine? Well, remember they. I like the fact that they have managed to always make him seem kind of short, despite how tall Hugh That's Jackman super is. True. Oh, I know, right? I uh, they remember they had Doug Ray Scott cast, and he had shooting conflicts on Mission Impossible Two, and couldn't take this yep. movie. Do you know how mad he is? He did the worst Mission Impossible movie and missed out on <laughs> twenty years of franchise action. Who is nobody well, remembers know, Doug Ray Scott besides Doug Ray Scott? But, but <laughs> to be fair, would he have done the job that Hugh Jackman delivered? I here? don't really know him as an actor, so who knows, right? I love. Yeah, I, maybe that could have been his big break. It could have been because Wolverine's a character that it. I don't want to say it doesn't matter, but if you get somebody that's good in the good part, I think you could still maybe not to the level Hugh Jackman just fucking owned it. But you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a very archetypal and basic character, so it's not too much of a stretch to you know. How do I put this? Uh, to, to really get just somebody moderately competent in there who can do a, a decent like a little you know, snarl. impression, whatever, right. and run with and it. And look yeah. intimidating. But to Wait. really, you know, dive into it the way they the way Hugh Jackman did was impressive. Oh, for sure, dude. I know. You actually know what one of his uh, great rituals uh, to get into character? Literally, it started on this one, and it went on ever since. Uh, he took cold showers. To get into the role, it start yeah, it started as an accident. Yeah, because he's like uh, he found out like in the morning there was no hot water, and he didn't want to wake his wife that was right in the other room, so he started clenching and just like trying to hold all of his pain and anger in, and he's like, <laughs> "Holy shit, this I just is gotta perfect do that. for the yeah, role." That's genius. Exactly. I, yeah, I remember reading that in Nick magazine as a kid, like in the early early two thousands. That's crazy. Um, I know, dude. Like. It was it was awesome, um, and apparently even on his audition he like studied wolves because he thought that was the character, even though Wolverine is an entirely different animal. But I'm not. But it actually it works, works out better because if you read the comics, wolves are probably what he actually has the most affinity sure. with. Even yeah. though his temperament is more of that of a Wolverine being grumpy and feisty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like a lone wolf. You know, he's a little more lone samurai type. By the way, I, one thing I wanted to call out in this whole wolf, all these Wolverine sequences, I kind of love the sound design because they sh they build it like a horror movie. A little bit, yeah. Although, you know what's funny? Because it needs uh, to be the... scary. Like, that Clossy needs to be scary as shit. Yeah. You know? Although, you know what is kind of crazy, though? Like, even though the buildup's really great, Wolverine doesn't actually kill anyone in this movie. Isn't that weird? Oh, that is weird. But, I mean, I guess they did it smart. I, yeah. I, you know. Or safe, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I, I mean, really, really, time. really, really, really do not see how they're going to do Wolverine in the MCU with how clean and bloodless it is, kind of. 
Well, I mean, they yeah. are going to go for Blade eventually, so who, maybe they'll wait to see how Blade does, sort of like they did here. Well, <laughs> gonna I, see, I let's think wait we... to see how good Blade is going to be, and then we'll do like the, it, the look. If they want to do Blade right, they need to do like Blade tying in with like Ghost Rider and the. Midnight they should have Suns. a dude. There they should go. have a Marvel Knights like subset of the MCU that's like all of those characters. You know what I mean? I think that would be so awesome. They should, but the last time they used the Marvel it was Punisher War Zone, right? Or well. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which hey. which made me so sad because I love Ray Stevenson yeah. and to see him used so poorly just broke my dude. Heart. There is uh. some kind of insanity that I love about that movie though, where I'm just like, I can't. It's one of those when they did the podcast, how did this get made? I was like, this is exactly the movie that this podcast should be about. You know, <laughs> man. And now we see uh, Wolverine roaming as a nomad out there. And, of course, he's got a stowaway. Uh, I actually do love, like, that he's just got, like, a... He's soup, just got, like, a small mini trailer just driving around the, the snow in, in Canada or whatever, wherever the hell he right. is. Um, and, of course, he's got his signature stogie, which is perfect, you know? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> poking bodies and she'd be dead in that alberta cold probably right? yeah i mean like the only the only way is like she probably just you know sucks some 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 dude's energy dry and then just use that to to sustain her for the back yeah oh for sure that'd be awesome i always feel like they should do more with rogue's power like that and i'm sure they will a little bit yeah Although it's uh, it's kind of crazy how much different sh than she is in the comics because you know the, you know because you can imagine like yeah in the early days when you weren't sure if a comic book superhero movie taken seriously <laughs> was gonna work out uh, and you have a, a, a team you're starting off with a team where you have to establish all of these characters and all of these people and give them all like you know their moments and shit uh, but. So I can kind of understand why they've kind of taken Rogue's character and also mashed it with Jubilee and uh, Kitty Pride and, uh, you know, all like a whole bunch of the characters that we know and mashed them into one character. I think they did you know? a pretty good job of handling her character. I feel like this is I mean, it's oh, yeah, definitely true yeah. enough so to like a pre Carol cool. Danvers attack in the books, you know, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Cool note here. Those dog tags you see. Are the actual standard dog tags that they use for the Canadian military? Oh, that's oh awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've, I, I'm a bit of a, a history buff, and I was like, oh, cool. They actually kept the the dog tags Canadian. Like that's that's actually really cool. Um, and it's although it's that weird. actually really makes me wonder because I haven't really delved into the books in so long, and with the the political correctness nature that the world has headed towards. I wonder if it is now verboten to call him the knucklehead. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I guess I, I guess if you have that kind of a sense of humor, I that was <laughs> like and not for any reason other than I always thought it was a weird name. I, that was always my least favorite nickname for Wolverine. I was like, you know, I I actually agree. Like I thought it was just like eh too, but like. Then realizing, like, oh, like, it's a play on a slur for Canadians. Oh, my gosh. It's, Jesus. I, yeah, I, I'm going to have to look up how Canuck or whatever became the expression. I do That's love the what the show's about now, have. by the way. 
I do like that little moment that he has. Like, d- d- does it hurt when those things come out? And he's like, every time. I there's actually a, like a lot of really lovely gravitas that Hugh Jackman likes to bring in. I although one thing I have to ask. How fast was he going? Because, dude, he really fucking flew out of that thing. Yeah, it's a uh, movie logic. <laughs> I guess. Well, but also, if you don't break at yeah. all and you suddenly have a hard stop, that's a good point. Oh, yeah, but that thirty-five I mean, miles an hour is still him. gnarly to get tossed at. I guess. I mean, it's just like in the middle of the snow, you'd be like going what forty tops in Canada in places where they actually get snow all the time. Everybody knows how to drive on it, so it's not like here where everyone's doing fifth. You know what I mean? I feel like I I feel like this makes sense. Uh, Okay. To go back to your comment about the claw thing before, what I thought was really interesting is that was the first time as somebody who was like at this point obsessed with X Men for almost ten years, I had never thought about that at all. Like there was never a moment where I'd been like, oh, I wonder if it hurts him when he pops his claws out because you know. He puts on the show that he's indestructible, right? Because he kind of is, but yeah. you never think that there's his see, mutant power isn't. My pain receptors also don't work. See, I, I I'm really surprised you hadn't caught that because this is well well after Fatal Attraction, and that is actually dealt with the the pain of it is dealt with after his adamantium ripped off. And I, well, so yeah, thinking about that, but like I never thought about him just using his claws as being a me- moment of pain. You know what I mean? Because it's, you know what I mean? That, that's, that, yeah. Okay. Dude, Fatal Attractions. Oh my gosh, man. Don't get me too yeah. hyped. Oh, shit. Now we've got on screen for the first time Wolverine and Sabretooth going at it. I wish they'd bring back Liev Schreiber as Sabretooth. I thought that was a good combo. <laughs> in the, like that, Wolver- that Wolverine movie sucked, but I was like, oh, you're good at this. Because this wrestler guy <laughs> they have that's just sort of like. They didn't write He's a part. He's just kind of there. Yeah. They're like, we needed a seven and a half foot tall, angry looking guy that we could put, you know, like prosthetics on. I mean, to be on. fair, that does sum up the majority of what you need. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we man. got Cyclops and Storm. Oh, shit. We're about to see some more. It's characters. like, can you be a dick? Are you tall? <laughs> can we give you fangs? Sabretooth. <laughs> Oh, speaking of being a dick and uh, uh, and height jokes, uh, so James Marsden, who plays uh, Cyclops here, uh, he was actually a lot shorter than he's supposed to be in there. Like he's supposed to be a little bit taller than Wolverine, but since like he's like James is only about like five eleven, five ten, he had to wear platform shoes or be on an Apple box half the time. That's hilarious. Uh, and it's funny. Well, it's funny because the platform shoes. You'll sh- I'll point them out when. Uh, they, when Ellis happens. Island, like, right? I think yeah. when they get, yeah, you can really see them there. Yeah, yeah. you can see. <laughs> but uh, apparently, as a joke, uh, the guy playing Sabretooth, Tyler Maine, uh, he actually left him an Apple box at James Marsden's trailer with a note saying, "This is for you to get uh, to your, to the top uh, shelf in the sink." That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shit. You know. I don't know if any of you have been paying attention to the news this week, but apparently wearing platforms in superhero uh, shows or movies has become a proud tradition. Oh, yeah, the with, the, the, yeah, yeah. with the, uh, the, the guy playing uh, Homelander and the boys. Oh, He's for like, sure. you you got to be a little bit taller, so we got to give you platform shoes. Can they be heels? Yeah. They don't have, they to, have be. to be. I want them to be heels. <laughs> 
I uh, and, oh, and I love yeah. Magneto's lair here. I, I always thought I was always so geeked I love out the by the cradle. Yeah, exactly. I always thought that was so cool. I was like, what a great idea! And it's such like right? a cool like super villainy James Bond kind of vibe, but with superpowers where it's like everything's metal and it looks like he just shaped it to his own will. And when you see him, you know, just, I love that little move there where Sabretooth grabs the dog tags. Cause it just shows like he has a grudge and he's going to hold it. Oh yeah. yeah. Too bad. It was too bad. It was really fucking disappointing for origins. <laughs> like the best part about origins is the title or is the opening credits. Like the opening credits. I don't credit know what sequence. we're talking about. <laughs> good point. Good point. Well, maybe maybe it's best just to stick to this movie. Oh shit! Wolverine's awake, and he doesn't know where he is as always. Just constantly, constantly in and out of this shit. But although then again, uh, being poked around in a, in a lab is not something somewhere he wants to be again. Um, can we? Oh man! It didn't we, end well the last time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but oh, dude, I I forgot how cool uh, the uh, Xavier's lair and underground lab looked. Oh yeah, like as as like a an actual set like this. This looks actually like legit. Oh sure, cool. I I just thought of something sort of silly. I noticed this before. So back in the day when the first trailer came out, right? Because that was all over the internet, and that was the easiest right. way to see things. But the internet was like right. shitty then. I Totes. remember. They had the trailer, and in the trailer, you saw him running down the hallway a minute ago there where he still had the little uh, whatever those readers are from Jean Grey in the hospital. But I remember people were literally positing, like, oh, my God, what are those on Wolverine's chest? And then I remember a few fan sites were, like, kind of had a rumor going that it was, like, ports where his adamantium had been added in. And then I remember seeing the movie. I always thought it was, like, stupid and silly, and then when I saw the movie, I was like, yeah, of course it was those things. You know what I mean? And so when he tore it off <laughs> yeah, and he yeah. looked normal, I was like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. You, I just, re- like, oh, man, weird piece of trivia. Yeah. What's up? Bob Hoskins was considered for Wolverine. Oh, yeah, I know. I read How that. How weird like, would that have been? That would have been fucking weird. Because um, apparently, like, the big studio choice was Russell Crowe, but he's like, I don't do s- comic books. Like, that's just a cartoon. And plus, I already did gla- this movie, Gladiator, where the character's kind of similar. Right. So I'm not going to do it. Um, but also, another thing about Jackman that I just remembered, uh, you know, we saw him earlier just, you know, without his shirt off. And, you know, he's he's still the jacked man. But... It's weird that in the later movies, he's even more jacked. Yeah, this movie, he's just, like, in good shape. He's not, like, yeah. super ripped. He's just, like, a fit man. And by, the, yeah. by like, three in particular. Two, he's bigger. But by, like, three and the Wolverine and all the offshoots, he's, like, a monster. Holy shit. Like, you know, you see him in the, uh, uh, the beginning of uh, uh, Days of Future Past. And you look at him like when he, you know, pops the bullets out in that one apartment Dude, after they. That right there, I was just like, oh my gosh, they gave us a Kitty Pride cameo. Right? I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it's so weird. Like 15 years later, and he actually looks better. Oh, dude. How cool it is it to see uh, Patrick Stewart in that wheelchair. You know, you know, it's actually crazy. The wheelchair still is around and apparently it was bought at an auction by 
uh, Patrick Stewart's attorney, and they actually had to rent it from him just to have it appear in the sequels. That's actually pretty awesome. Can you imagine? Why? Yeah. Like, I guess they were always trying to return that shit after the fact, but. Yep. Yep. Man, my and only. I imagine. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you first. No, no, no please. No, you, you. I'm going to totally take a no, different you. train of thought, so I think you should finish first. Otherwise, I'm going to just go off the rails. Well, no, I want to go off, want you well, to then, go off the rails. Why the fuck isn't there more Cyclops in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I guess you, like the argument is is like there's already so many characters right. and whatnot. Oh, I do love this little bit right here where he's like, you're Cyclops, you're Storm. What are you called? Wheels. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> apparently the, the original script line was... Uh, what what do you call uh what do, what do you call the uh baldy and hugh jackman's like that's a dumbass line i'm just gonna go with this better <laughs> and it wound up making final cut oh yeah they <laughs> like leave it in yeah exactly because there's uh, there were so many writers on this movie to begin with i mean andrew kevin walker had a script uh i would have loved while. to read like um, a version he wrote by himself i love andrew kevin walker yeah yeah, yeah. um but uh, yeah, tons and tons of different writers had a whole bunch of it. Like, uh, uh, oh god, um, I know Christopher McQuarrie was in on it for a little while, yep. and um, but uh, Joss Whedon. As a matter of fact, I, yeah, Joss Whedon had, doctored it a little bit. Uh, although apparently, they told him like it was too quippy and too reliant on pop culture, <laughs> which is so fucking funny considering where we are now. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love seeing I all of these char- like little mini character cameos, like Wolfsbane there and the n- Jubilee. Yep. You're like, oh, yep, uh-huh. and like, the other shit. Kitty Pride, right? Yep. And it's like, oh my god, it's like you know Cyclops training on the fields of of uh, Xavier Mansion, and all these mutant kids in class are doing this stupid shit that only they could do during the middle of a class. Like, how cool is that? Too cool. <laughs> I love that. Hello, CW's well, John Allardyce. You know what's actually funny? Sean Ashmore right here, who plays Iceman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the funniest thing happened when I was watching season two of The Boys. He's now light... To- uh, light uh, Lamplighter. Uh, light- Lamplighter in season two. Thank you. Um, which I'm like, oh my God, he went from Iceman... To basically being Pyro, <laughs> he is. I didn't even realize that was the same actor. It totally is. It. <laughs> it totally is. I'm like, oh my god, it's Iceman from the X Men. This is hilarious. I, I, and I'm positive, like there were a bunch of jokes on him. I love that. the fact that they kept the uh, the Blackbird design like spot yes. on. Oh this. yes, because the Although, jet's uh, cool. I'm I'm actually curious because. The danger room doesn't actually appear until uh, X-Men 3. So were you guys kind of disappointed by that? Uh, I remember there was a early promo for X-Men 2, like when they were in the beginning of production, where the yeah. promo visual was supposed to be of their design for the uh, for the danger room. And I remember it was just really quick, and then they cut it from the script. Like they were still at that phase. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean... And even the one you get next three is not really cool. 
No, it's not. It's actually really disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really didn't mind it not being here, but that's because it was one of the things where I didn't know that they, I didn't think they'd be able to do it well, particularly, At you know, with million. them having not drop dip their toe so much into comic book movies of this sure. level. No kidding. So I would rather they stick to stuff that they could, you know, knock out of the park than take those kind of risks that while I'm, I might want to see it, it's like, I'd rather they play it safe because I wanted more of this. Right, right. Um, although it's just like, it, it's, cause, well, it's already so jam-packed. And I was actually surprised, you know, going back to this, that this movie is only a little over 100 minutes long. You know? Like, it's it's so crazy because we're used to seeing, you know, two, two and a half hour superhero movies these days. Yeah, they keep it tight. And it's weird to see one this tight. Yeah, because now they wouldn't have any issue with this movie being long and you could do all the characters justice. Yeah. I mean, nowadays you can get away with a three-hour comic book superhero epic. Yeah, but at the same time, nowadays they make sure they actually have consultants on board who can make sure they actually know the characters and know the books and are putting together a cohesive story that works. And money, because this was actually fairly cheap. Yeah. Like, it was only $75 million when... Usually, big well, tentpole ones I mean, are like gosh. upwards to a hundred. I mean, I I have to say, thank God for Fox because I mean this. I mean, you know, this came out by Fox and it was oh, what three only three or four years after Marvel had declared, you know, Chapter Seven bankruptcy. Yep, I remember so. that back in the nineties. Oh man, dude, Mystique. I love this first line. Oh, you know, I kind of wish that voice uh, filter was kind of uh, consistent because that almost disappears even in the even through this movie. I always thought her design was weird, but I understand why they did it. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's a bold move. Uh, certainly to have like this, you know, <laughs> Oh, more of his adamantium ports. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it, it, I mean, it is kind of a, a, a crazy thing in retrospect, although man, you know, I just realized how in the world are they going to do this scan when it's shown that later that adamantium is magnetic. You can't go in there. <laughs> That's a great point. Well, I guess we just uh, have to yes, imagine this is... this is some weird not MRI thing that Charles Xavier has movie magic stuff. Yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's movie magic bullshit because uh, I imagine like I mean they're they're already talking about accelerated you know genetic mutation and shit like that. So there's already a shitload of pseudoscience. So this kind of bullshit really doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> but I do love the uh, the X-ray scans and how you get to see. Like the actual adamantium rendered onto his skeleton, particularly with the claws. Like that's that's actually a lot of fun. Sorry, just loving this scene. Who did this to him? Mm, that's a plot right? point for a future movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> several future movies. Literally the entire would... goddamn franchise. Why is there not more Cyclops in any of these movies? <laughs> That's you actually sound been... just like my buddy who is the proprietor of Never Ending Radical Dude. 
he's a huge Cyclops fan. Like we, we met freshman year of college and that is an argument we always had. It was just like, he was always like too much Wolverine, not enough Cyclops. If for an ensemble mo- movie series, they definitely, when Nickelodeon at least had the decency to t- name that show Wolverine and the X-Men, I was like, that's what they should have called these. Cause it's definitely like the Wolverine show first and everyone else is also there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I'm not mad about it. They're still enjoyable for sure. I just always wanted like I hope when the MCU happens that Cyclops is fucking awesome. Yeah, totally. And I just who would you actually have him play? What's that? Who who would you have play Cyclops in the MCU? I think like, I really want five years down the road. I think I want Army Hammer to play him. Ooh, I think Army Hammer would be good. I feel like he's got like he's a good actor, which is half of the battle. He's not super successful, but you kind of have seen him in stuff. So I feel like he's like mm-hmm. a kind of a good get. Uh, while Marvel, like, it's like one of those things where, like, so yeah, yeah, Disney's tried a couple times to make him be a thing, but with like a good character that's established, he'll be reliable in the part. I think. Uh, right that's. On. I think that's one of my takes for him. I really. I'm gonna. I would not. I would not have a problem with that if they're doing like classic Cyclops. But I would definitely not tap him if they're going to try and go into the deeper, more complex stuff that they've done the last, you know, ten years sure. or so. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. I wonder. I kind of just. It'd be cool if they used Grant Morrison's new X Men as like a jumping off point. <laughs> That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. So it's like old and new all together at the same time. I want an ugly Wolverine. That. That's what I want. I really. I know it sounds silly. <laughs> But I want an ugly Wolverine so bad. Like, so bad. I know it sounds so stupid, but, like, the Bob Hoskins thing, I'm like, that's better. But, like, not <laughs> – I think, it like, Wolverine needs to be weirdly attractive, in my opinion. Like, you need to not look at him and be like, yeah. But then by the end of the movie, you're like, why am I saying yeah? That's how I think the vibe of that guy needs you, to be. You, you know what character appearance and, like – portrayal i think would have translated really well to wolverine john riz davies gimlet (laughs) yeah but yes you know what i mean like you're like you're right john riz davies you're like you're like you're not necessarily like i wouldn't walk up and be like damn but then you just like cut up an entire army of something and you know what i mean you'd be like oh there's something weirdly i'm weirdly turned on right now john riz davies wolverine Uh, so, okay, so oh, yeah. here's my little dorky secret right now is that my, okay. you know, I write a lot of spec scripts for obvious reasons. So I've been like mm-hmm. slowly but surely b- bolstering my X-Men spec script for the last like year or so. Oh, and it's like right one of those on. projects that's always kind of constantly gestating because like, uh, you know, I, I realize I'm not at that point in my film career that I'm like, this is a thing. But at the same time, I'm like, who knows? But I have a really, I have a couple of really great scenes in there that uh, that after the show's over we should chat about because I don't want to sell Oops. my ideas. But, but you talked about the danger room and I have a great danger room idea that I really think is like so fun. <laughs> so anyway, oh man, yeah, we can't have anyone stealing it. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> yep, they made it this far. Yep, and then now we have a little bit more of the uh, <laughs> this the love triangle between Wolverine, Jean Grey, and. Cyclops, um, which <laughs> you know, it's actually. Have you ever? Have you guys ever seen the Pete Holmes sketches of the X Men EX 
Oh at yeah. The end. Those are fucking funny, but I really love like oh what do you where Professor Xavier I'll I'll put a link in the in the description for you listeners out there because they're fucking funny. Oh yeah, people. But uh, essentially, great. it's just sketches skits of uh, of Professor Xavier just being a dick and firing all of the X Men one by one. That's good. <laughs> and Jean Grey's like he's like oh are you are you always gonna constantly dick around with Wolverine and Cyclops? It's complicated. Oh, thank you for reading the fa- your Facebook's uh, relationship status. <laughs> God, I love this shit. Although it's it's funny because uh, James, this is like the first instance where uh, James Marsden kind of becomes like the uh, uh, the weird uh, guy who turns down the love interest for the protagonist, so called, because he did the same fucking thing in Superman Returns. Oh yeah. Yeah, I uh, I always felt like the way they portrayed Cyclops in this is like a dick, but not in a way that like I know Cyclopses would Cyclops would be like annoying, like not annoying, but like frustrating to work with. Yeah, he, but he's not like, like he's like a he's a really di- he's a dick, but he's also a Boy Scout at heart, and it's really difficult to work with, but. You know, at the end of the day, he's in charge. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I never really got dick too much from him until like the recent comics where they really went. They're like, oh no, he's like a scumbag mm. mutant terrorist now. <laughs> Somebody at Marvel hates Scott Summers really fucking bad. Well, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that's with where they had gone with the character and what he had experienced. I think that the arc they took with him was. You know, he kind of became the next Magneto. Like he suffered so much trauma and damage that's just like, nope. Like I'm, I'm done. The rules have changed. That's it. And I, by the way, yeah, totally agree with that I love the new stuff too, man. Like I got, I a new jumping off point for me was all new X Men. When that came out, I was like, what a fun and clever idea here. That the only one that can save Scott is younger Scott. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, and I mean, yeah, I, I I thought that they did a lot of interesting stuff with uh with with that book, and I was uh I was a fan. It was one of the fir- first times in a while where I'd gotten back into X Men for for a bit because they just did it so well. Oh, absolutely, and it like it seemed like a great love letter to the old books to the new book. It was like all eras kind of got represented. I thought that was so great. Mm-hmm. How about Storm's incredible Caribbean accent in this, everyone? Oh, I know, right? Like, this is the only one where she actually sports an accent. Can you imagine that you kind of gave up? Can you imagine coming on set and you're like, this is the voice? (laughs) You know, whatever she's, you know what I mean? You're like, what are you doing, Holly? Allie? You know, what I was going to say here, which is really funny, had it not been for John Wick 3, this is totally where we'd be having the conversation of, whatever happened to Halle Berry? (laughs) Oh, I know, right? Because, like, you know, she decided, because this was her first superhero role, and unfortunately, she later did Catwoman. You know, okay, for real, guys, like, I want to just to announce to the whole world that I really, really, really fucking want to have Halle Berry on this show to do a commentary with me and watch Catwoman. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Because I, dude, because, well, I know she's a really fucking good sport about it. I mean, she did. She said yes to half the shit that she did on screen, and then she accepted okay, the Razzie like, Award. But- I mean, remember though, 
the kind of paycheck that comes with that stuff. I mean, I'll never forget. I, I, you're familiar with Ice T, correct? Yes. They paid him allegedly, according to him, they paid him like I think like a million dollars to be in Tank Girl. He's like, I'll dress up like a kangaroo, sure. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of the same thing with Patrick Stewart with the Emoji Movie. You can give a man awards, you can give him a knighthood, but nothing compares to the power of the paycheck. I love all the little cheap tricks here, like the when that scene cuts from this big open waterfall room, but when they cut in, it's just a black cloth background behind Magneto and Sabretooth. Like right. just one of those clever little like, it's almost like stage design, right? Like theater stuff. Yeah. To be like, oh yep. well, we don't have the budget really to do the background we just showed you in the CG shot. So. Yep. Um, and apparently, like you know, Brian Singer didn't do a whole lot of you know effects-driven stuff before then. I mean, the whole reason why he was hired on is because of the big success of uh, Usual Suspects. So he wound up going to the sets of um, uh, Titanic and The Phantom Menace to get an idea of how to do an effects-heavy kind of uh, movie, learn some lessons from the masters. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. And you know what? It kind of pays off because, like, like we said before, this is kind of a lower budget movie. Like, it was only seventy five million, because you know, like I said, they they just had no idea like that this would work or not. I do love this. Like, you have <laughs> failed me for the last time. <laughs> a little bit of a Darth Vader bit there. Oh, I thought this scene was always so weird and creepy. Oh yeah. I um I remember th is this the first official cameo coming up? Um, yep. the definitely of the 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 tentpole Hollywood movies. I mean, he'd had a few Oh, I love that was freaky. Yeah. Um but uh he he'd had some cameos in like you know, like the Doctor Strange movie and the uh the Incredible Hulk uh made for TV movie. But there he is. It's the man himself, Stan Lee. I will say, though, one of my favorites, though, of, of Stan Lee cameos, uh, you know, is always going to be, even though I'm not a huge fan of the movie overall, is in Captain Marvel just because it canonizes his small-ass performance. And yep. I was just like, uh, so happy. Yeah, dude, because for the longest time, like around the time he died, and this is before Captain Marvel came out, I always said my favorite my favorite Stanley cameo is in Mallrats. Like that's that that's it. Like his the weird caricature of himself is phenomenal. But it's also really cool though uh, his cameos in Fantastic Four because he, he yeah. plays a character he created. Yes, yes, that was really great. And I also loved uh, 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 him in Guardians Two, where he became the one of the where he went, uh, uh, hung out with the Watchers. <laughs> Like, that was amazing. And he also got to play J. Jonah Jameson at the very, very, very end of Into the Spider-Verse, which is a role he's always wanted to say. He's like, if you could play any one of your characters, like, even all the way back to the 70s, like uh, they were asking him, if you could play a character that you created in a movie, who would it be? And without, without breaking a beat, he would always say JJJ. So it was really cool to see him uh, play that and... Oh shit! It's Mystique. I like that Wolverine has like a uh, built-in like adamantium unibrow as well. 
like it's not exactly coded, but it's just like patterned. It looks like it's it looks like it's carved in. Like there's a stroke. Like if he rubbed his forehead, there'd be like a little groove there. You're like, why is there a weird adamantium groove? <laughs> oh, this is so cool. First appearance, cinematic exp- uh, appearance of Cerebro. Oh, this is so cool. I always thought the way they did the effect in this movie was cooler than the other ones. I never know why they went away from this. Hmm. I guess they're like, eh, well, because uh, I, I think it might have been from the, uh, the, the visual effects artist uh, or the visual effects supervisor. Because apparently, even though the dude, like, almost wound up getting nominated for an Academy Award for this work, mm-hmm. uh, he actually really thought they were subpar. Uh, for the time, um, he was just really dissatisfied with that. So maybe he was like, "No, let's really up the ante. Let's try something a little bit different." So that's probably why. I think they were smart um, by I, cutting the the effects in the script level. You know what I mean? Like, they were smart mm-hmm. to make it like an ensemble talking movie where there's just like two action scenes. Yeah. Well, well there's like you know a couple of action beats here and there, but there's right. ultimately like. Yeah, like, there's only, like, two or three, like, big action sequences. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree, you know. I love that shot. uh, Unfortunately, one of the, uh, one of the downsides of, you know, access to all the data we have now and market research and data analysis is that they try to tailor everything to make it, like, uh, as appealing and successful as possible, even though that might not be a good thing, it's like they're only chasing the dollar. They're not chasing the quality sure. of the art. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's just Hollywood at the end of the day. Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, Hollywood if you're a BoJack fan. Hollywood. <laughs> <clears throat> I also forgot how much I uh, used to want uh, Wolverine's jacket. But uh, I actually found (laughs) out uh, a few years ago that there's actually a website called Logan's Closet where they sell his jackets and a whole bunch of other, like, you know, high-profile comic book uh, jackets. Like, they have the Terminator (laughs) jacket. They've got uh, Bane's coat. uh, They've got Captain America's World War II jacket and shit i just love the fact that it was cyclops's motorcycle that he stole oh of course and i also love that it's got like a supercharged a turbo mode that should have killed him instantly <laughs> let's be honest like because does he even have like a light going because he, he's driving around in like a uh, middle of back road mountain roads in pitch black like that's sh- like the, the yeah, second, I don't, I don't actually. It's been too long. I'm not sure if he has like you know night vision, like nocturnal. I would just assume in not. general, since all of his sights are kicked up, that he probably does. Yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, if I was even so, like even if I was driving that, driving that thing out in the middle of the day, and I hit the turbo mode, I feel like I would have like immediately gotten into an accident. And not just, like, automatically woo, 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 go through all that shit. Well, he's magic man, dude. Yeah, movie, movie bullshit. But right. I digress. Um, I do like this little back and forth between uh, him and Rogue. And 
how it's clearly, you know, sort of like a surrogate father daughter relationship, sort of, or maybe like a, uh, uh, you know, just an uncle or whatnot. Oh, oh shit. shit. He's about to turn into Animorphs because I think that was the show he was on. <laughs> <laughs> Sabotage! That makeup job is so brutal. I mean, oh, I it's know, brilliant. Right? I mean, it looks great, but man, like, what had to go through for that to happen? Yeah, apparently she had to stand up for nine hours to get that thing applied. Plus, she had to be under specific conditions with her body, just so you know her chemistry didn't change and would keep and prevent the uh, the, the 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 custom pieces that they glued on her from falling off. Uh, she also had like these because a, a lot of the uh, the eye effects in the movie are practical, like they're actual lenses that they made for the actors to be put on. Um, so. Uh, yeah, man, like that was that must have been rough. Because um, even worse is you know like uh, Rebecca Romaine who uh, plays Mystique, uh, she actually was pretty much isolated in her uh, makeup because the, her look was supposed to be was like a huge big deal of a secret to be kept. So like it, they, she was like almost completely uh, separated from him. Although. Something that I found out and I read I thought was fucking hilarious is that uh, towards the end of her shooting, or on the last day of her shooting, she actually brought a bottle of tequila, which she gave to the cast and crew. Um, unfortunately, it happened to be on the day when she's fighting Wolverine. And uh, in the many acrobatic shit that she was doing, she threw up blue-colored vomit all over Hugh Jackman. Uh... Yeah! <laughs> Oh, that shit was crazy. I mean, the real tragedy here is that I haven't seen that as a deleted scene. I know, right? You kind of wish that was a thing. But... Oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, although I did hear, like, uh, she did, uh, uh, because it was such a long process to put on and off, she always had a glass of wine on her. Yeah. Oh, wait, this moment. This moment here. So this kid was actually invited on because... He was a huge X-Men fan, and Cyclops was his favorite. And he literally could not, like, hold back his smile. So they just added that little moment in. That's so great. Scream, I know, scream. right? Can you imagine being a little little kid being on... And, well, actually, it's probably best that you're not a little kid on a Brian Singer set these days. Yeah. <laughs> probably back then, too. Um, yeah... I think the only effect I don't really like in the movie is Toad climbing up the wall. Oh yeah. Although we still got it, we still haven't pointed out that's that's Darth Maul, everybody. Fucking Ray Park, killing it. <laughs> I know, right? Oh shit, you done fucked. And they're like, up. all right, here you go. Here's a uh, lightning scene, and then a Matrix camera move. Oh my god, you're totally right. Well, they tried to do... They did it there, they did it with Jean Grey, picked up the uh, the little bottle earlier where they were like... every. I mean, it was 2000, 99, right? Everybody was like super influenced by that movie. Yep, yep. <laughs> it, was, it was actually kind of an annoying fever at that point. Especially like yeah. by, 
by the especially by the time the sequels came around. Oh sure. And then I and I think by at like by the time the sequels were over, everyone was just like at the time like, oh enough. Oh, let's see. This is such a cool practical effect. Like, Hugh Jackman actually just thought the door was just going to, like, burst open. Not the entire car, like, just rip apart through hydraulics. So he's actually, a, like, some of the surprise in, in his performance is actually genuine. That's so awesome. Yeah, I love this scene. Ooh. Ow. 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 I like that you see you the know, little screws in the bottom of the the claws. Yeah, right. You know, you almost uh you're almost like, "Oh man." It's to the point where you actually kind of wonder if uh, uh Magneto can just rip his claws right out of his body. Yeah, I would assume he I mean, he does in Fatal Attractions. I mean, he rips everything oh. out. Yeah. Nice shot. <laughs> do 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 do. Just casually strolling through. You know that alignment of cop cars in the lawn reminds me of Terminator Two. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Although uh, Magneto don't don't need no damn minigun. True. Also, can we talk about how cool uh, they actually were able to make the the helmet design? Yeah, I'm always shocked I don't see more of that Magneto helmet and like in cosplays and you know because it's like super simple. It's like regular PLA color, so you can almost just 3D print the whole helmet. I know, right? Cosplayers, get on that shit. Is it two pieces? Uh, uh, what's that? Is It's two pieces, right? Yeah. I think so. Oh, I also love how Toad has uh, Cyclops glasses on him. <laughs> oh, shit, motherfucker. You know, that, yeah, because you're right, because I, I forget how, that it really is just one solid color, because especially in the later movies like the prequels, they really went a little bit too tacky for my taste. Like, they gave them the, the weird eyebrows and shit. Yeah. So I love the reference there, you know, with the number on your forehead. You know, it's a reference to uh, uh, an island where they used mutants as slaves. I can't remember the name of it right now in the comics. Is it Genosha? Uh, might have been. I just love the fact that they put in all of those little references. Totes. In this movie. For the, for the fat comic nerds in the theater. I love this. Like, dude. And it's funny because all these effects that they're doing here with the guns is probably mostly just easy practical shit. Yeah. You know, with the exception of a couple of the close-up shots, you know, when you do the wides, it's like, all right, fishing line, and, you know, but you know what I mean. Old-fashioned invisible man techniques.
That's the other thing I think that gained a lot of credibility to the script and to the the approach of these is that they clearly were, you know, going off the popular uh, allegory of, you know, Magneto is basically Malcolm X and uh, Professor Xavier is Martin Luther King Jr. Right. I do love that one extra's performance, though, like, <laughs> when he touching the forehead and, like, where he's just waiting for, like, the bullet to actually go in. Because, <laughs> as you saw, that thing was pressed up, like, right up against him. You know, like... In later movies, like, you know, they have the, uh, the the telepathy blocking helmet, and you're like, were you guys ever wondering, like, oh, man, how cool would it be if we ever got Juggernaut? I all so, you know what I always wanted with Juggernaut? I never yeah. wanted him in a big scene. What I always thought would have been cool for X-Men movies, and if I ever got to make one and then make a sequel for any reason, I would definitely do this. <laughs> I think the X-Men movies need to have cold opens like James Bond movies. And I think they need to have an oh. opening sequence with, like, a C-tier villain like that, right? Like, a Juggernaut's a cool character, but he's, like, not a story character. He's, like, a heavy. So it would be cool to have a story that doesn't really focus on the Juggernaut where it opens and he's, like, let's say you open the movie with, like, a training sequence and all of a sudden alarms are going off. They're, like, what the fuck? And it's, like, someone's breached the perimeter. And then it's oh. them, you know, having this, like, insane... Imagine fighting was, the Hulk in a mansion, right? And then at the end, they subdue uh, him, credits, and then the rest of the movie happens. They're like, Phew, you know. You know, I was actually kind of expecting, you know, as such a big fan to actually kind of incorporate, you know, the fact that he's brothers with Charles Xavier and that sort of thing. Because they also throw it out the window in the, you know, the, the sequel. Yeah, I, I feel um, like, I, I mean, the thing is, it's like the typical characterization of Kane Marco is sort of like this like dumb brute guy. And like, I just imagine, yeah. imagine Patrick Stewart, like trying to do a bit with Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Like that's <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, Xavier, you got all the money. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And like, I, uh, I just feel like it wouldn't play. I, like you could still do some stuff. I just cannot imagine like, Compared to some of the other X-Men villains and Magneto and stuff, there's nowhere near the mine, the depth, I think, to mine from a character like him. I, I mean, I would agree there's nowhere near the depth, but there is fun. I mean, like, the time where it's like he kind of had an uneasy truth with the, truce with the mm -hmm. X-Men, and you see him getting drunk with Wolverine. I mean, that's oh, gold. Oh, sure. Like, those two belligerent asshats getting drunk together, that is story that's gold. Awesome. Oh man, I um, I do love the fact that in the dream sequence, Patrick Stewart has a chance to stand up. Oh yeah. Well, he's like technically on the astral plane, sort of maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's like reading. He's looking into his memory, so that he can figure also, out what I, how the hell that uh, this guy got powers. Something I will say, my dearest dream for a comic book movie, which will probably never happen. There was a a Spider-Man Punisher team up at one point. I feel like I remember and that. Spider-Man gets knocked out. Spider-Man gets knocked out, and Punisher just picks him up by the ankle and is using Spider-Man's body to 
beat people. <laughs> and like later, when Spider Man's awake again, Punk's just like, "Oh no, we had a team up. It was great." <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, we've gone to some crazy places, like in the many, many, in the twenty years after this. Can you, I just realized this movie is now twenty years old? Isn't that fucking crazy? It is crazy. I actually do love uh, his his kind of redemption arc that he kind of gets. Like, you know, it's it, it, it that whole idea of like turning your uh, being turned into the one thing that you hate the most, and then you finally get uh, have just enough time to understand and realize that they, you know, they. It, the that 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 hates just wrong and that's just the you know the core one of the core messages of the x-men that's true because like this acceptance. whole conversation yeah this whole conversation where he's like do you hate normal people like me and he's and she's and she admits like you know sometimes just because it's it's awful but i learned to live with it although this uh this is this whole sequence actually is kind of awesome even for then yeah this isn't half this isn't half bad no it's awesome yep uh what do you mean for then i mean i have seen modern movies that don't have effects half that good especially that good transition there yeah that transition is seamless although apparently they wanted to go a lot more gruesome and like uh mid-transition they wanted to have his organs and uh, and like dissolving bones uh, towards mm. like towards the middle. Yeah, they really wanted to get nasty, but they were like, eh, "We're gonna play it safe," because again, we still don't fucking know. So, um, but yeah, still a really cool death though. One thing I will say for sure um, about this movie, you know. Just the way they do all the aesthetics. I mean, from the costumes to the mansion to to everything. Even if it's not how you wanted it in the books, everything looks slick and polished and well-designed. Yep. And that's so important. So true, yes. yes. It looks like a much bigger budget than they had. Mm-hmm. They, they actually tricked us. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, see when you see, uh, you know, Patrick Stewart with his... Uh, cerebro head uh headpiece on it looks like the comics like that's l probably the greatest compliment you could give and especially at a time when we still haven't been legit like comic books have movies haven't been legitimate uh been legitimate yet truly legitimate like that was a really big deal like the really the only two big ones i mean obviously we did we talked me, mark and i we talked about uh, Blade being one, it's just like super under the radar, which is sad because that movie's actually mm -hmm. gotten a lot better in recent years. Um, but, you know, like the only ones that we had before that were, you know, Tim Burton's Batman and Richard Donner's Superman. Oh, it's still funny because Richard Donner is actually a, an exec producer on this movie, too, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, because Lauren Schuler Donner is the big one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and apparently, you know, he he mentored uh, Brian Singer to, you know, keep the ver verisimilitude of the uh, 
the series and the characters. Oh no, Gene Gray, don't do it. No. Oh, oh no, no don't this do is it. where Gene unlocks the Phoenix in this universe. You know, actually, I think uh, um, it might have been Andrew Kevin Walker's version. Or, or uh, oh, my, actually, no, it might have been Joss Whedon's script. But apparently, like, uh, the, the Phoenix was supposed to be the cliffhanger. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. And I also love how they, this whole movie has been building up, like, all these world officials. This will be the single largest gathering of world officials in world history. Like, what could go wrong? <laughs> like, how convenient. And they essentially turned uh, uh, Ellis Island into basically, like, the most heavily gu like guarded island on the planet. But uh, I do love the uh, the whole climax takes place in the Statue of Liberty. Um, so, do you guys remember the uh, the the Statue of Liberty playset that came out at the time? No. Okay. Vaguely. I had a friend of mine uh, whose dad worked in uh, uh, toy companies, so he he, uh, he actually had a shitload of toys, like his prototypes and early stuff. Uh, and early bird packages and whatnot. And one of the coolest and biggest ones in his room was the uh, X-Men uh, Statue of Liberty playset. It was this the head and the torch, and they both open up where you could put your action figures in. And it even had the, uh, the, the mutant machine in there, too. And I was always fucking jealous of it. <laughs> Damn. Nice. Oh, come now, my child. This plan will be nothing without you. I love how everybody talks in these movies. Right? They've all got that, you know. They've all got the, 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 the crazy accent. Although, uh, it's funny because, you know, technically uh, Ian McKellen shouldn't have his uh, British accent, but I don't care. It's Ian McKellen. He can keep it. It's like Benedict Cumberbatch. Don't don't ditch your your natural native British tongue. Don't try an American accent. Your natural one is perfect. Right. Um, but you know when you think about it, Magneto is like you know German Polish. German Polish. I love this look for the um, the, the plans. Yeah, yeah such a cool thing uh, and it was like i feel like this was such an interesting cool effect that i would have liked to see more of in future movies but then in the next movie they did everything with holograms yep well i mean like, you know, that's... I, I i like this but at the same time it always just kind of reminds me of like did did you just build one of those giant like needle things that you always play with with your hands like <laughs> i want one of oh, that. Yeah. i want that in my house where it like magnetically pulls shit up in, in accordance okay and then we got to talk about this part here oh yeah wolverine with his astro a50 headset ready to play some Fortnite. <laughs> and in, in his leather outfit yeah 
But that line, oh my gosh, right. that line. Oh my god. So there's an uh, uh, a, a really wonderful video essayist by the name of Captain Christensen with K's. Um, and I'll put this in the description for you guys. Uh, but he did a video essay on uh, the X-Men and their color and schemes and their uh, their color scheme co and their costumes and whatnot and how important it is and uh, it's a it's a wonderful little watch uh, to to really understand just like yeah these like costume designs are actually kind of important and besides uh, these superheroes that are all about you know overcoming prejudice social prejudices uh, <laughs> it's actually funny because nowadays it's more relevant to uh, wear a colorful you know crazy outfit for uh to show your your pride you know like that's yeah. pride month right like even uh um like uh, the 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 color schemes of cyclops and wolverine they have the same colors they're just uh palette swapped to show that yep. they're diverse like that so but i'll 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 have a link in the description for that little video essay because it's a wonderful little thing Oh, man. There is a storm. And a couple other mutants as well. <laughs> okay, so this is... You remember the... the that yeah, this is the moment where you, you get to see the platform shoes on uh, Cyclops right there. Oh, yeah. There they are. Oh, my gosh. That is very <laughs> yeah, It looks obvious. like he's in Kiss. <laughs> he, uh, but apparently, like, they had the hardest time getting over that barrier because of the costumes. It was, like, the first day they shot in the leather and it hadn't been stretched at all. Yep. So, yeah, so, I always thought that was great, though. Uh, I th yeah, I think uh, James Marsden actually said you could not feel less like a superhero wearing those things. That's really funny. <laughs> I also love this gag here. Yeah, <laughs> with the metal detector. But I also love that that gag comes back in Days of Future Past, where it's before he had the metal, and he's like, "Love that shit." The middle claw. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude, like when he this goes is so it, cool though. Oh, this moment, yeah, where it's just like that. Oh, with the eyes. Like, oh, mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> so good, dude. I was always. I didn't think she could turn into inanimate objects, so that was always I like guess a shocking scene. You know, I guess it's kind of Terminator Two long logic. It's like, no, it's only equal to size. Well, it could also just be like, all you have to do is have seen anyone in that outfit ever. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. Oh, shit. Well, <laughs> and I love the kiss where she's like, that's that's where you know it's her. And the little extra bit of, uh, the little extra bit of uh, clank when they get kicked in the balls, I thought was awesome in the sound yep. design. Yep. And oh, by the way, God. so when he cuts off the claws, what did he cut off of her? I don't know, but whatever it was, it must have been really painful. So I forget, are they in like a 
a, a museum or a, a gift shop or they're something? At, there's like, like a little remember. miniature, a small museum at Ellis Island for okay, the Statue of I've, Liberty. I've been to the Statue of Liberty and I've been to Ellis Island. Granted, this was like several years after the fact, but I never remember seeing anything quite like this. I do love this bit here. What, what I always find <laughs> hilarious about this movie is that it was just like, I remember watching, I was like, man, what a bold decision to actually try and make Toad a badass, because <laughs> never in the comics ever. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> yeah, that's He was such actually a good supposed point. to have, like, a big hunch, too, in his back, and, uh, uh, but they were like, well, if we've got Ray Park, who's an actual martial artist, let's, let's change it up a bit, and I actually kind of like the change. Oh, I love the change. Yeah. I'm here for the change. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with it just because I'm just like, man, oh, wait, you actually Darth made him into Dude, that's something Darth of a Maul badass. right there. That's fucking great. I love that shit. What were you saying, Sean? I was saying, like, they effectively actually made him something of a badass, which is like had never happened with that character. So it's like, yeah, everyone's going to love the change because you're like, oh my gosh, he's not pathetic. Right, for the oh, first time. change. That's a cool oh, shot. Oh, and that, yeah, that shot oh. has always been one of the key amazing moments of this movie oh jesus that's those are some trailer shots right there and i also love what he what she does here where she cracks his back right there that was the ball clang wolverine <laughs> literally has balls of steel love it like dude for for real i also love the sound design like uh she actually moves and uh, like you, she doesn't make any sound when she lands, and it's very cat-like. I especially like this little slink upwards thing she does here. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, Wolverine's like, Meh. what the hell? Boy, that shit must have tasted nasty. Okay. This this moment right here, uh, I actually was shocked to find. This is one of the few uh, Joss Whedon lines that actually made it into the final movie. And you know, you guys know which one I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I actually have one of those small Statue of Liberty statues you just saw flying from when I was like eight. <laughs> <laughs> I um but, oh my god. I always liked what Whedon's explanation of uh what like how he wanted the line to be delivered. Like it was supposed to be campy and stupid. It's supposed to be like kind of like corny and funny. You know what I mean where she'd be like, "You know what happens to a toe when it gets struck by lightning?" and he's like, Argh. and then she's at you know hits it with the same thing as everything else. You know like real quick almost like Harrison Ford. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, it, but you know, Halle Berry was like, no, I'm going to play this serious. Like, wildly and serious just, with my terrible Caribbean accent. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, what was that? It was, I, but I actually was like, that was a line by Joss Whedon? You're kidding me. <laughs> I, when, I, when you think so of it strange. in that weird context, I feel like it makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense in his context. But when you put it like that, it's like, why did they keep that shit? Nice. 
Also, Halle Berry was like the one person who really could not stand uh, the uh, um, the co eye contacts. So she insisted her eyes specifically be CGI'd. Hmm. Yeah. I guess he does stab one person, but look how clean her stab wound was. Yeah, it is pretty clean. Well, it's it's clean. It's just really deep. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. <laughs> Perfect delivery. Perfect delivery. And now we got our fi a big finale going up and it's actually kind of cool like they made a replica set of uh, the Statue of Liberty although they made it uh, like uh, one and a half times bigger just you know because if you've ever been on a film set uh, it gets very crowded yeah, <laughs> very crowded very quickly so you want a little bit of extra space for that kind of shit I also do love the way that they set up with Cyclops where They've got her pointing uh, his eyes right at her, and they take off his glasses. Like, that's some good shit right there. Also, this is some dastardly shit right here, too. I like how they kind of try to do, like, reverse Jim Lee Wolverine costume. Have you noticed? You know what I mean? It's bit. like... It's kind of got the little spikes up top, but it's black and yellow versus, like, yellow and black. Black and yellow, black and yellow. Ooh. You know, I'm actually kind of shocked that he didn't, like, just break the, his glasses right there and then. But then again, you know, he we, we kind of need that shit for later. Yeah. But it would for me, it would have been interesting to see them try to, you know, play up that. Um, what are all these UN... Uh, all these world leaders doing here anyway is this like a giant celebratory thing or something i forget exactly what the context do they is. even tell I, you isn't it where there's uh, yeah i think it's where they were actually meeting to discuss what to do about mutants oh that's oh, right. yeah, okay. yeah okay yeah so oh man boy then that just makes magneto's plan that much more dastardly yeah speaking of Magneto, i love the shade he threw like a minute ago where he's just like don't you live at a school? <laughs> like, he is just so much like, you people, like, how are you this oh. incompetent? Like, Charles wastes his time Right, with you? oh, for sure. Like, <laughs> and you can tell he is so, like, just generally frustrated by everyone all the time. I kind of love that. Because he's so you know, above I think it. We can, yeah, I think we can actually kind of say that as far as comic book superhero villain movie roles, Ian McKellen just might be the best villain up to this point and magneto's a great character too yeah oh, i had to shit, bust out my have... cyclops visor oh my god i just saw you like put those i on. totally like, forgot i oh had my god. this dude totally take a selfie of this so i can like share with everyone because oh my god i am in fucking love with it i'll have to do it after the show because my phone's on the other side of the room <laughs> no worries dude this is uh, you'll probably uh, you guys like on the Facebook page will probably have seen it already. But uh, and if you haven't liked my Facebook page, please do so. It's under Comtrack Podcast. I'm the uh, disheveled, angry Scott Summers right now. <laughs> yes, I'm a leader. A and I do leader. actually. I do. I, I love uh, how uh, he gears up to him, like the, like to the pain. He's just like, okay. 
Let's fucking do this! Like, fuck yeah, that was cool. Yeah, fuck, man. Although I still am not sure how that got him out. Like, the physics of that doesn't quite make sense. But, honestly, Hugh Jackman is so intense that I'm willing to give it a pass. Yeah, he's like, ah, slice through a bunch of things. I feel like Magneto shouldn't have Hope even... Him. Set it up so it was a potential for him to go. Yeah. Should have poked him. That's not what I meant by poking him with a stick. Oh, so fun fact here. Hugh Jackman, like, fell off one of the... Oh, wait, is this not the one? When he falls off and ca- has to catch the his claw on the side of the ear, he, legit- yeah. he legitimately fell and the harness fucked up and rocked him in the nuts. So obscene yeah. that they were like, the scream is real in that take because he literally, oh. yeah, yeah, I believe it. I, I I remember hearing about that. About, man, because like you, you know, people always think acting is really glamorous. Uh, it it actually it really isn't. You're, you know, you're waiting and waiting and waiting for all these shots to set up, and then you have to go 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 sprint sprint sprint. Make sure you nail all your shit, and you know, get into the pathos. Just as everything's going, you have to do all these amazing and incredible physical things where you could, you know, very easily get hurt. I love that shot, though. Um, But, yeah, acting is really hard. (laughs) You know, something we brought up earlier, um, we were talking about their, their portrayal of Rogue here. And the main reason for Rogue being done the way she was was that. Fox did not own the rights to Miss Marvel. Yes. So they couldn't use yes. that backstory or put that in. Yep. Which is why they had to retool Rogue's character for the film. Well, maybe now that, you know, Captain Marvel and Carol Danvers is a thing, maybe. Oh, no, you? don't get me wrong. Like, the second they bought Fox, that was the first thing I wanted. As I said, I'm not a huge fan of Captain Marvel. I'm like, oh, please, oh, please, let this right. happen. Do Bro, it. come on. <laughs> oh, man. I'm telling you guys, ugly Wolverine. That's what we need. Right? Um, Hashtag ugly Wolverine. I got to make that happen. That's going to be my next famous person poll that I do. Do that. Do it, please. Ugly Wolverine. We had Hugh Jackman. No one can do the role like him. You don't want another beautiful guy. You want... You, you know what is uh, is Ron Howard's brother still Perfect. Active? Yeah, call Clint Howard and ask him to be ugly Wolverine. He's hairy enough. Yeah, I feel like I, I, I'm really trying to think of someone I would have in the role. I don't know who. Well, do you, but. well did, did you know that uh, we almost had a uh, an ugly Wolverine back in the early 90s with uh, Glenn Danzing? Oh, that would suck. Uh, he's weird. <laughs> but I... <laughs> wait, yeah. wait, wait. Like, did, did you say Glenn yeah. Danzing? Yeah. Like the yeah. singer? Yeah, yeah. Like misfits, yes, that yeah. Oh my! Everybody just wanted him to do it because he was like in kind of good shape, and he was little and angry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> and, well, he's also out of his yeah, mind. I think he would have yeah. been a horrible actor, though. I mean, I love him. I mean, my gosh, the misfits are amazing, but <laughs> only with Glenn sure. Danzig. <laughs> Gran- granted, though, I am really happy about Hugh Jackman because you know. When Wolverine was kind of conceived, he was kind of a James Dean, Clint Eastwood sure. kind of archetype. And the fact that they've got literally the closest thing to a young 
Clint Eastwood look alike now. I mean, dude, if you look at Hugh Jackman right now, he is exactly the spitting image of Clint Eastwood in his like 40s and 50s. Oh yeah. Uh, one of the things I liked in the previous scene, and we just missed it, but I always yeah. feel like, and I think Brian Singer probably said this at some point, but right after Gene, you know, holds him up in there and like helps him land, uh, yeah. she kind of like stares at herself, like, "Holy shit, I can't believe that just worked." But I seriously think that <laughs> in this, if they had kept up and like. You know, it was Brian Singer that had his through point. I feel like he would have tried to call back to those events, like when Cerebro fucked with her. This moment here on Ellis Island, and they kind of refer back to it next too. Yeah, but it's almost like they planted the seed in this movie unknowingly. Mm-hmm. I also love that this is the event that uh, gives Rogue her uh, her white streak. Her very famous signature white streak. I love that stand-in for Ian McKellen, by the way. Oh, I know, right? You can tell from, like, the huge head of hair. (laughs) Yeah. Well, at least it's not as obvious as his uh, fight double in Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What did everybody expect? Exactly. Although, Although, if you really want to see, like, the like most obvious double for uh, a classic Shakespearean old man in a nerd franchise. It's Count Dooku. (laughs) Oh no. Take my power. Heal again. Take some of my angst along with it. Give me that soft. Oh, yeah, light I totally. Yep. I actually just remembered the music was done by Michael Common, who had absolutely asked none uh, ideas of, about X Men in, in general. Like, he had no idea who or what the X Men were. So he just kind of decided to play it straight as, like, a, you know, like another epic drama. Sure. And in a weird way, I guess it works. I mean, his. His X Men theme, you know the no 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 no. It's 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 not bad, but I I still kind of wish that they went went straight up with the 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 theme from the animated series, just no 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 no, but orchestrated. <laughs> just like, can you, you imagine like MCU's an orchestrated version do that, of that the way they did the Spider Man Spider Man? That's the new, true. <laughs> they probably will. They'll probably like do some. You know, they'll at least call out to it at some point in the movies. Oh, I hope so, because. Dude, that like even to this day, like that is probably one of the most cool thing to come out of the '90s. Yeah, that's you know what I'm I'm actually gonna admit this to everyone, um, the classic X Men theme from the uh, the the Fox Kids show, that is my ringtone. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I also love how they kind of, yeah, flying off into the night. But I also love how they kind of, you know, set up uh, Mystique as she changed her form to look like just like a normal security guard. I like the guy, too. He's like, this one's alive. Yeah, exactly. You know, your coworker doesn't have a name. (laughs) 
Come on, John. Didn't you check his? Uh, didn't you check his tag? Oh, speaking of uh, like all like uh, future stuff for the MCU and possibility of X Men joining them. Uh, apparently, so like they're really gunning hard trying to uh, have Keanu Reeves join the universe somehow. Yeah. Uh, for a while, I actually thought it was going to be with like uh, um, uh, not Black um, Adam Warlock, but cool. uh, mm. apparently. Uh, he's actually said if he could play any Marvel superhero, he knows he's not going to get it, but if he could, he really wanted to play Wolverine. Yeah, I could see that. You know, I think he'd, I think he'd make a great gambit. Oh. Yeah, dude. Sport a, ca- a like a Cajun accent and shit? No, yeah. I wouldn't let Keanu Reeves try to do a Cajun accent at all. He is... Notoriously not the yeah, best. Yeah, I would be like, yeah, no, just just, but, just but give he, me. He has the frame though. He has the frame and yeah. the look, and I know he could pull the accent sure. off. It's a matter of the accent. I would almost just tell him yeah. not to use the accent. I, you know what? You know what? I would actually honestly do. I would just sort of, for the sake of the movies overall, I feel like this is really the move. Unless they're going to cast a dude who's actually legitimately incredible at dialects, they should just give him a southern voice a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, just a little, you know, like, uh, and I I always think back to one of the first times I was ever seriously impressed by Keanu performance was in Sam Raimi's The Gift. And he had kind of like a country boy accent and he was like a really scary, intense character. I was like, damn, I never noticed how fucking scary Keanu Reeves was. He he actually kind of had a bit of a southern accent as well in uh, Devil's Advocate. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Get him, man. So, that it just might work that way. I think they they probably won't now because he's probably too old. I feel like whoever's gonna probably. get Gambit's gonna be young. It's yeah, it's kind of like the whole thing where he was supposed to play Spike Lee in the Cowboy Bebop live action, right? You know who I would like but, to see um, uh, play Gambit? I think would be an interesting pick is uh, Taron Egerton. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. I think he he's got the physicality. I think he has the charm. I actually, more than anything, like after seeing him in some other stuff outside of like easy things like the Kingsman movies, I really, uh, I think he's got the talent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it'd be a really, I think that would be cool. I don't know if he has any interest in doing that. Everybody's been like fanboying him into Wolverine, but I'm like, no. Mm. No. No. And like, again, he's a good actor. But like I get also he's too he's like too handsome to be Wolverine. We don't need another handsome Wolverine. Hashtag ugly Wolverine. Ugly Wolverine, everyone. Guys. I'm telling you, it just needs to be someone that looks like me, but in shape. You know what I mean? Like I'm not good looking. I'm just fucking hairy and shit. But if, I'm very angry, and if I were in good shape and murdered people. So uh, one of the things I will say in my script, because I always felt like uh, mm. Disney would never, never let you do something fun with Wolverine, like murder people. Yeah. I, I, every time I have a, a kill scene for <laughs> Wolverine, that. it's always off camera, and it's just the blood splashing onto the onlookers, like nice. a little flex. And nice. I was like, I don't even know if they'd let you do that, but I figured that was the safest bet. I kept thinking that was a good, good way like call him in. He's the angry guy hiding this. in the mansion, smoking a cigar. Dude. I have that set. Yes. <laughs> Do you? Dude. 
Magneto and Professor X playing chess. I love this shit. You know what's actually fucking crazy? What's that? Neither of these two actors at the time knew how to play chess. That's hilarious. They actually had to bring in a, a chess master to teach them. Which I thought was hilarious. I'm like, dude, really? You guys have done Shakespeare I'm, for I, years. I, I, yeah, but I'm not surprised. They had to. They these are two men who have spent a lot of time mastering their craft, and I can see why they wouldn't have time for yeah. that. I still, I still wonder uh, if, like, they actually play chess in real life now. <laughs> yeah, that's all they. Like do. anytime they're, yeah, you know. Well, I mean, because you know, like. They're su- they're famously best friends, right. so I'm really wondering if they uh, they actually do play chess with one another, um, you know, when whenever they're like at each other's houses or whatever. It'd just make their relationship that much more wholesome. Fuck yeah, it would. I do love that. Beware, Charles. They're gonna come for your children in the night, which they totally do in the next one. I also really love the design of the plastic prison. Oh, so cool. Mm-hmm. And I love the I think the way they get him out of there is so clever too in the next one. Right. Oh yeah. Dude, that's probably one of the reasons why X two is like even better. So here's a question. How far away is all that shit that's watching him? Do you think he can reach that? I I don't think so. Like, I feel like they've encased him. Uh, so long and it's it's I don't know screenplay by David Hayter by the way the voice of Solid Snake yep yep although like we said like so many writers were in on this it's so weird that he's the only one that gets the credit well I think it's because you know like uh, Christopher McQuarrie was like the other major contributor to the script yeah but he was just so fucking fed up with the uh the the studio going back and forth and shit sure that he was just like you don't even have to credit me it's fine i don't don't, because i'm just tired of this right so that's why he received solos credit um and uh uh you know desanto and singer were also were given story credit right yeah but yeah oh and like i said michael common Again, had no idea. But uh, yeah, that's that's the uh, the first X Men movie, and um, yeah, rewatching it uh, with you guys, uh, how's uh, how's like how's like your perspective changed, or has it gotten better? Has it gotten worse? You know, I don't know that I can make too much of a call on that. I mean, I still really enjoy it, uh, but, you know, the flaws that were there are still there. But, again, I understand it from the context of when it came out, why they, some of those needed to be there, why the choices they had to make were necessary to make this a viable movie for right. the time period. Yeah. Um, honestly, my, my biggest takeaway from this uh, is more in the fact of you know everyone keeps talking about like Disney bought Fox Marvelize these characters again and I am a hundred percent on board with like I do not want to see um the X-Men in what Marvel is doing with the MCU and by that I mean I want the X-Men released under like the dimensions 
Oh, like a headline, like a uh, oh, two worlds collide meet, meeting sort of storyline. No, I mean, I, I, maybe I had the studio wrong. Like the title they use for more intense adult films and for like horror movies. Oh, okay. It's like I want it really. Like I don't want the X Men toned down. I want to watch Wolverine rip someone in half. I want Deadpool like cursing all over the screen <laughs> and like being a sociopath. Like these are the things I want from X. I do not want them sanitized for children. Like most of the MCU is. I don't want PG 13 on the X-Men. I want hard R. Oh, right on. Okay. Hmm. I don't think I'll ever get it because they want to tie in all the, all that toy money. That's true. But... Well, you know what? I mean, well, right now Umbrella Academy is making a huge splash with uh, uh, the the show that they're doing. Which is... So maybe do it in that format? Discount X-Men, I'm in. I mean, it's a possibility. And, and, And at the same time, I'm just kind of like, I wouldn't even be that mad if... Because, I mean, there's so many characters to choose from. If they took, like, a smattering and put them in the MCU... But, like, take Wolverine, take the X-Force people, like, take the harder-edged characters and, like, do it as a series, do it however you want, but, like, make it hard R, you know. Heck, do the, the reboot of the, that they did with X-Force where they were basically the assassins of the mutant world, like, assassinating any threats to mutant kind. Like, I'm here. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I am here for that. <laughs> I think and I what about you, Mark? Uh, and rewatching it again, I mean, yeah, I, I kind of think I echo the same sentiments. Uh, it's fine still. You know, it's it's what it it's needs just to fine. Be. In hindsight, I wish it was more, but I also, again, recognize where we were. And I was just, I cannot overstate how elated I was to be in the theater July 14th, 2000. You know, it was literally yeah. the day I, I remember pulling, I mean, I was obsessed, dude. I in my scrapbook I literally had pulled out pictures because it just didn't seem likely that you'd ever get more of these and it was always that thing where because of how uh, what's it called Batman and Robin did everyone was like one failure and we're shutting this shit back down again so it always yeah, felt like it was yeah, like yeah. is this gonna happen and then with Spider Man with Sam Raimi Spider Man it pretty much like cemented like nope this is a new juggernaut. Yeah, this is the this is the new era. I because I, I yeah I remember you know because I had grown up a lot with the the original uh, Stanley uh, Steve Ditko comic books uh, with uh, Spider Man and when the first one came out that was kind of like a cementing era because I, I think we can all agree is like Blade is what kind of really st- uh, set it in like got our attention. X-Men is like, oh, this actually might work. And then Spider-Man with Sam Raimi is like, yeah, this is a new era. Sure. Yeah, it's like this cemented it. And then Sam Raimi was willing to be like, no, let's get a little weird. Let's get colorful. You know. Let's, let's... Let's keep that stupid green goblin costume. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh shit! Ouch. <laughs> well, it it is stupid, but you know I have like a weird soft spot for it. But I guess we'll have to talk about that when you know the time comes for Sam Raimi Spider Man. You know, all, all I'm gonna say is that Weird Al said it best. 
He's scarier without it on. <laughs> well, it is it is Willem Dafoe, so like it is some pretty like he knows how to be like Dafoe of the movie. Wop, wop. <laughs> I award you no points, and may God have mercy yeah, on your soul. That <laughs> makes me want to oh, end the whole show now. Shut up, you guys. I mean, come on. Like, this, like, 2020 is is dealt way worse shit than that. Well, has it? <laughs> wow, wow. I didn't think you were that. Dude, <laughs> you give me that kind of opening. I'm gonna okay, take my shot. I'm right. really glad everybody's been incredibly honest. <laughs> oh my god, you guys. guys. Jesus, but yeah. Man, well, next I, time let's know, do what? Pride of the X Men, the cartoon. <laughs> uh, well, <sighs> I, well, wait, is that like an actual movie? No, it's like a thirty-minute pilot episode done by the GI Joe animation team. It's got Stan Lee as the narrator, and it's like a lot of the GI Joe, Joe voices doing a short. The animation's awesome. Wolverine is Australian, and it's hilarious. He calls Toad a oh dingo, and. Uh, <laughs> It's. I mean, if you guys, oh. I'd be serious. We could do one. It would be funny and worth it. It's. Uh, it's definitely Holy on YouTube. Shit. And it, you know the thing is, oh you'll God. watch it. It's not bad. And I don't know if it's just I have a soft spot because it was like you know at a time where the X Men cartoon was just airing and it was hard to get home video of TV shows that was available. And I was like, oh, this is sort of shitty, but it's not super shitty. <laughs> oh my God! You know, you know, I actually for next for the the take three or season three i actually have something special for fucked up february and uh is it the I 1996 might, generation oh, x film i won't say it here but uh when it comes we might get to pair it with that we might have the first ever twofer oh shit so that should be two yeah, for sutherland thing <laughs> But, oh uh, yeah, so, well, at least that's, I mean, uh, that this will be it for um, Marvel Movie of the Month with Mark for this year and for this season. God, it's already been a whole season. Time fucking flies, doesn't it, when you're having fun watching movies together. Um, but we will be back next year with you, Mark. Uh, we're coming back in uh, uh, January after taking a break because... Yeah, I think we all kind of need one in twenty after twenty twenty. We all just need a little, a little me time. Of course. Oh yeah. Also, I just realized this is the first time we we haven't seen the Marvel, the Marvel logo before or after the movie. Well, we saw it just there at the the very end of the movie, but we didn't see like you know the famous comic Marvel Studio logo. It wasn't in Blade either, was yep. it? I, I no. don't think so. No, it was just that it, it hadn't become a thing yet. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that weird? Wow. I gotta look up and figure out when the uh, the first use of that was because it's so it, it it's it's almost like you know seeing that Marvel Studios logo. It's like it's like coming home for us geeks. I'm 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 honestly wondering if the first time was Iron Man because that's the first time they did it themselves where no. it was not owned by Sony um, and Fox. I, I'm not sure, but I'm I thought they did I'm, it for the didn't the Sam Raimi movies do it? Yeah. They might have. Th I'm not sure. I think I'd seen it as early as like Daredevil, but I could be wrong. 
Oh yeah, man. I'm gonna have to look that up. Um, if anything, like you, you cats in the comic section can just like blurt it out. Like it was this movie. I why you can't? Why don't you know? Yeah, just just total. <laughs> that's that's my impression of all YouTube commenters, which you know, I not inaccurate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, is there anything else you guys want to add before we wrap up? I'm good. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, this has been another really fun Marvel movie of the month. Uh, I guess uh, we'll actually only have one episode left before this season's over. It's crazy. But we will catch all you listeners back for our uh, on Thanksgiving for our Thanksgiving special. Uh, and we're doing the only movie that could be shown for uh, as a Thanksgiving special for this hellscape of 2020. The classic planes trains and automobiles nice. i'm really excited you guys yeah i mean and i i just have to especially not not only that but i also grew up in chicago so that coming home trying to get through going through hell to get home to thanksgiving for chicago just feels appropriate for 2020 <laughs> so I guess uh, we'll see you guys uh, next week and on Thanksgiving. We're actually going to be uh, airing it on Thursday, not our usual time at Friday. So be on the lookout for an early episode. It'll be good. It's, it's big take two finale. So uh, I've been Tim. Excelsior. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. I love Come a little Excelsior movie. action. I'm Mark. Enough said. <laughs> and this has been another episode of Comtrack where you'll never have to watch a movie alone again. Goodbye Peace. forever. <laughs> <laughs>